Hello and welcome to a special edition of E-Cystic Fibrosis Review. I'm Peter Mogazel, the director of the Cystic Fibrosis Center at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. And with me today is Scott Powers. He's professor of pediatrics and director of the Center for Child Behavior and Nutrition Research and Training at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Dr. Powers and I will be talking about behavioral and nutritional treatment for preschoolers with cystic fibrosis. He presented data on this topic at the 27th Annual North American Cystic Fibrosis Conference in Salt Lake City, Utah. Welcome, Dr. Powers. Oh, thank you for having me. Scott, nutrition is a very important aspect in uh, the care of individuals with cystic fibrosis, and there are a number of barriers that can occur in trying to get kids to gain enough weight so that they're healthy. What are some of the behavioral issues that can impact uh, nutritional outcomes? That's a great question because families experience meal times up to three to five times a day of young children. So it's a frequent experience for them and they're asked to meet energy intake goals that are often up to 50% more calories per day than a healthy child. So what we've learned in pediatrics is that many typically uh, developing behaviors in young children at meal times, when families are posed with this need to improve energy intake, pose behavioral challenges, even though they're pretty typical of children in general. Uh, behaviors like getting up from the table, uh, changing food preferences from day to day, or what uh, preferred foods are, uh, learning to try new foods, and just the general developmental uh, goals of seeking independence and becoming your own person as a toddler and a preschooler can pose challenges when a family is being asked to meet these calorie goals every day consistently. Uh, like I said, some behaviors like leaving the table, uh, simply sitting and not eating at all for periods of time, or actively refusing foods when being asked to eat more are very common behavioral challenges that families experience at mealtimes. They often lead to interactions that become not very positive because they are driven by wanting your child to do well and have emotions behind them. Uh, they also lead to the behaviors that you don't want occurring more often. In some of our studies where we've gone and videotaped families and watched interactions, we end up seeing young children with cystic fibrosis actually having longer periods of time of not eating and their parents spending a great deal of time talking to them while they're not eating. Uh, which in some ways reinforces the behavior of sitting there and having an interaction with your parent instead of actually taking bites. Well, these are all uh, challenges that I think children and families face on a daily basis. You uh, described a study uh, that was done looking at interventions to try to improve uh, mealtime behaviors and nutritional intake. What were the goals of the study? The goal of our study was to work with families of children between the ages of two and six that have cystic fibrosis and also pancreatic insufficiency where they take enzymes to help them digest their food better and get better growth. Uh, the goal was to compare a behavioral and nutrition treatment that was delivered individually to parents that they could then learn skills and take home and work with their young children versus a, a control condition that involved education and uh, control for the amount of time that families spent in the therapy sessions, but did not actually teach them the behavioral and nutrition skills. And what were the results of the study? Did the children in one group eat more than the children in the other group? We had promising results from this clinical trial. Uh, the trial took place over the course of about six months. Uh, there were eight 
uh, weekly sessions over the course of two months, and then once a month sessions for the next four months. So a total of about 12 hours of treatment for the two conditions. And then we followed the families for an additional year when they returned back to standard care. Uh, We did find at the end of the six months of treatment that the families that learned the behavioral nutrition treatment had greater energy intake per day than the control group. The difference was about 430 calories per day more if you received the treatment. Uh, In cystic fibrosis work, when I mentioned about 50% more calories per day than the typical child, that's often referred to as a dietary reference intake percentage, whereas 100% would be what a normal child would eat to grow healthily. But you might be looking to get to 120 to 150% if your child had cystic fibrosis. And at the end of the treatment, the behavioral group was up to an average of 142% when they started at 106%. So the children were eating more and maintained that a year later where they were still up about 498 calories per day at the end of the one-year follow-up and their DRI percent was 145%. So eating more was accomplished. Uh, Changing that into weight gain, we did see a trend for improved weight in the behavioral treatment versus the control group, but it was not statistically significant. We measured that in a Z-score, which if you have a Z-score of zero, you're right at the 50th percentile for your age and gender. Um, Children with CF are typically less than zero, but we did move that up for the behavioral group relative to the control group at a trend. We did see a year later that the height for age Z-score was better for the behavioral treatment than the control group. They did gain more height at a statistically significant difference for the behavioral group. Well, that sounds very encouraging, both in the increase in calorie intake, but also in the trend in weight and the statistically significant increase in height. And it sounds as though these interventions continued to be effective even after the initial training uh, ended. Yes, one of our key questions, uh, particularly working with young children and families, was could the families maintain the skills they were able to learn, and did those skills lead to improvement over time? And at one year later, we did see maintenance of improvement in energy intake uh, relative to the control group, and we saw the height change, which we did examine later on because many times it's the change in weight early that then leads to increased height in children's development. Um, Durability of treatments are important in young families, but we've also done research that says that between two and six you can have an impact, but then by the time you get to be school age and you have more meals outside of the home and you have more activities, that it probably clinically means that you're going to need to have booster sessions over time as children go through different phases of development to maintain the gains that we can have with initially working with young children and families. But you would think it would be the same sort of techniques just with a different focus at different ages? Is that what you're envisioning? Yes, the principles are very much the same about what parents can do to encourage eating at meals, praising bites, making more energy intake per bite by calorie-dense meals that they make, which is part of the nutrition treatment that becomes behavioral as well. Um, But as children get older in school age, they can be more active participants in setting their own goals, uh, working for rewards that come from hard work, 
so what we see over time in our treatments that are behaviorally based for children as they get older is the child, as they become their own person, become more of an active participant in their own treatment where a typical two- to four-year-old, we focus a lot on what the parents can do to help motivate the child early. But as the children get older, they become equal partners in their own treatment, um, learn the importance of the goals, and then really become partners with their caregivers to meet those goals. And how do you envision these um, techniques being introduced into clinical practice? It's well and good to do this in a trial setting, but we are faced with time demands and other pressures in clinic. Yes, we're actively working on that now in terms of ways to make these types of learnings to families more accessible. We've started to develop a web-based uh, treatment where they can learn the principles and become aware of the information in an almost a self-guided learning perspective that really tries to uh, amplify what we do face-to-face -to, -face to something a family can learn um, by an internet-based internet interaction. But we want that to be tied into clinical care such that the, the treatment team would know the family's participating, they would be setting energy intake goals and getting feedback that we now have developed an app for a phone where you can enter a, a calorie intake diary that then ties in and communicates with this internet program such that that can be fed back with the family's permission to the care team. So if you were coming in for a visit, all that information would be there for the team to look at prepare for how to help you, and then spend their time efficiently during a clinic visit. Um, we're developing that protocol and that prototype and have started to pilot it with families at different CF centers, and we hope in the next three to four years working with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation to take something that's evidence-based on a clinical trial perspective, as you, as you mentioned, in a study, and then make that translatable into the care setting with families taking the lead to learn skills but then working with their care-providing teams to integrate that into their care. No, that sounds like a very uh, appropriate way to move going forward. How difficult is it for staff to learn these sorts of techniques to be able to help families along? You know, the good news about behavioral type of treatment is they are logical and they are things that treatment manuals like we developed for our trial can be translated into training for healthcare professionals. Uh, probably the main thing about behavioral treatment is once you've learned how to initially teach a family some of these skills, which we think is quite translatable, it's having the experience and confidence to stay with the treatment. Uh, one of the things that can happen in helping families learn to work with young children is the, the parent signed up to learn these skills, but the four-year-old may not have signed up to know that their life was going to change. So when a parent goes in and makes changes at a mealtime, what we often see early on is the child may actually increase the behaviors that were of concern because they're not sure why this is happening. And they're saying, Mom, why aren't you talking to me while I'm sitting here at the mealtime? And Mom's been trained to not talk to them unless they take a bite. So sometimes you can get that behavior actually increased for a little bit before the child starts to learn, oh, when I took a bite, Mom talked to me, and when I'm just sitting here not eating, she's not talking to me anymore. And that learning that a young child goes through uh, the idea to help other professionals is to sort of stay the course and believe in the fact that our treatments show effectiveness over time and help support those parents during that initial what can be a little bit of resistance from young children saying, why did you change the rules on me? Um, why aren't meals like the way they were a week ago before you went to see the doctor? Um, it's important to help staff not only learn how to help families learn the skills, 
but to be able to stick with the treatment over the course of uh, a couple of months so that they get the impact that we want in terms of behavior change, but also the change in energy intake. No, I could understand why being supportive of the families is so important in this kind of a situation where children are trying to figure out exactly what's going on and everyone is looking to improve intake and weight and health. Yes, there, I mean, I think the thing we've learned over time is there's a lot of stress on healthcare providers and a lot of stress on families because we know in cystic fibrosis how important weight is and good growth is. Um, what these treatments allow us to do is break that in, down into smaller steps and say if you have three meals and two snacks a day, the typical child who's young is going to eat well at some meals and not well at others. And one of the reasons we have families keep a diet record, we also show them graphs of their daily intake. And they get feedback on how they're doing, and they see the average improve over time. But when we show them these graphs, it's very enlightening to families and healthcare providers that that doesn't mean every meal's great after treatment. It means that some meals you had a goal to get 400 calories in at snack and you got 100. Uh, and it wasn't as pleasant of a meal. Uh, it's a learning-based treatment, which means that you get to try again at lunch or you get to try again at dinner, and it's that average over time that we see that difference of a uh, 400-calorie change between the two groups in our study. That average over time goes up, but you still see the variability across mealtimes, and that goes back to being able to stick with treatment and stay the course uh, because even the most successful family of a typical four or five-year-old child in our study will still have some meals where they just go, well, that one didn't go very well. We'll just try again at the next one, as opposed to the feeling families tell us uh, they have before they start treatment, which is, well, here we go again and nothing's going to work. So it, in some ways it builds confidence both in the healthcare team and the family and over time in the child as they grow and mature that they go, hey, I'm doing really important things and I can get better and what I do is going to make a difference. And that seems to be what we think will maintain these behavior changes over time. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. That has a tremendous potential. Well, I want to thank you, Scott, for joining me and taking time to talk about your findings from uh, the behavioral and nutrition treatment study that you performed. And thank you for joining us for this special edition of E-Cystic Fibrosis Review. We very much appreciate it, and we appreciate your interest as well as the support of the National Institutes of Health and everyone's taxpayer dollars to support this important work as well as the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and, of course, the families that were so gracious to participate in our study. Please visit eCysticFibrosisReview.org to view archive issues of our newsletter and podcasts.